And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 5 August Fenwick paced restlessly in his vast, airy room atop the Imperial Hotel. The instructions he had passed to Kit on the plane had been based on the presumption that within an hour of checking into the hotel, he would be alone in the room he intended to take, the suite on the southwest corner of the building. But the time was getting close, and Weston seemed determined to unpack every item in Fenwick's cases himself, right down to the false bottoms, of which Fenwick was now very glad. Were it not for the possibility of a customs inspection, he might not have used them at all, and Weston would now be wondering in which drawer his new master would like his throwing stars and combat boomerangs. Fenwick stepped out onto the landing and felt the hot, dry air hit him as if he'd been struck in the chest. The sun was high in the sky and seemed impossibly close. Below, the wide streets and avenues of the city's downtown were teeming with life. Cairo. It had been years since he'd been here, but it was just as he remembered. At least, this part of it was. A thoroughly modern city, bustling with activity, that somehow still seemed to belong to another world. He wouldn't have to step very far away from the newer sections of the city, with all of its British influence, to find that other world ancient and fascinating at times, backward and crushingly poor in places, at night this city seethed with the danger inherent in the darkness as much as any other did. But now there was a new hunter in the night, and one who would not quit until his search was ended. He recalled his days of training with Maxwell Falcone. The stranger was retired then, as were most of the members of his old team, the Society of Gentlemen Adventurers, but the younger man would not take no for an answer. In the end, Falcone had agreed to teach him what he knew about crime-fighting and investigation, but not the mystic arts. Those were not disciplines for the dilettante, nor secrets to be trusted to some young fool in a mask just because he had figured out your real name. Fenwick smiled at the recollection. His time with Falcone had not been long, and it had come near the end of his long quest for the skills he would need in his fight for justice. Max had always said there was little he could teach Fenwick he did not already seem to know and when the subject of magic did come up, Fenwick's scientific mind was always trying to break it down into verifiable, repeatable principles. He wasn't far off, both men knew. Magic and science were not the mutually exclusive ideas that many imagined, but after a lifetime of study of the ancient ways, Falcone was not terribly interested in redefining anything. They had argued often, clashed a good deal, and struck a lifelong friendship in the process. Fenwick heard voices in the room behind him and opened the door to step back into his suite. One of the younger men of his household was speaking to Weston, and the conversation seemed slightly urgent, but it trailed off immediately when the master entered the room. Weston placed a reassuring hand on the young servant's arm and looked at Fenwick. "'I do beg your pardon, sir,' he said. "'The staff seems to require my attention for a time.' "'Of course,' Fenwick nodded. "'I shan't be more than a few minutes,' he said. "'No, Weston,' Fenwick shook his head. "'I won't be needing a thing before dinner-time, "'and you still haven't so much as unpacked your own case. "'I will call you if I need you.' "'Weston nodded. "'Of course, sir,' he said, "'and the two servants left, "'trying not to appear to be in a hurry. "'Fenwick wondered what sort of flap "'the staff had managed to work themselves into already, 
and if bringing the whole lot of them along on this trip was not perhaps a high price to pay to have the flying squirrel by his side. Behind him the door to the veranda opened slowly and silently, and a small, dark hand settled upon the door frame. It was followed quickly by a shadowy form that somehow managed to obscure itself, even within the bright daylight of the spacious room. The door opened still more, and the shape began to take the first silent footstep towards the wealthy young man's back, when he suddenly whipped around at astonishing speed and settled into a martial arts stance. Before him he saw a lithe Egyptian girl, dressed in a light, loose-fitting wrap in neutral tones. Her black hair seemed to shine in the sunlight, and her eyes... Her eyes were... "'Kit?' he asked, not quite believing it. "'Who else?' she asked with a shake of her head. "'You got a lot of girls climbing in your penthouse windows?' She stopped and checked herself. "'You know what? Forget I asked that.' He suddenly realized he was still half in a ready stance, and he stood up straight, stepping in toward her. "'I almost can't believe it's you,' he said. "'You look quite good as an Egyptian.' She paused a little. "'I don't quite know how to take that,' she said. "'I just mean your disguise work is excellent,' he said, correcting himself. "'Oh!' She seemed both disappointed and pleased, if such a thing were possible. "'Thanks.' He paused an instant. "'Except I thought you had the Bavetta travel documents.' She nodded. "'Sure, Italian national living in Morocco. I'm not that far off, am I?' She looked at her hands. "'I just like the look of the local coloring so much. I guess I just wanted to try it out. A little.' Besides, no one looked twice at the papers. Fenwick looked at her again. No, he said quietly, I'm certain they didn't. With the sunlight blazing in the windows behind her, Kit's silhouetted shape could clearly be seen through her light garments, still shadowy, not immodest, but a pretty breathtaking distraction nonetheless. She glanced down to see if there was something wrong with her costume before getting a general sense of what he might be looking at. Oh, she said, "'Nobody else really even seemed to notice.' He gave his head a shake and turned in the other direction, stepping past her to close the veranda door. "'I suppose you're right,' he said, "'blending in and all that. "'Well done.' She scrunched her nose slightly in protest. "'I didn't say you had to stop,' she said. "'So, Signora Bavetta got checked in all right?' he asked, as if there was some doubt. Kit sighed. "'In fact, she did. "'The suite below you is now the de facto crime lab, "'or at least a lair. "'You're lucky the room below you was open.' He smiled. No, I wasn't. I had a hold on it from the time I booked the hotel. I only released it when we checked in. Well, it worked, she grinned, and you'll have a real easy time going back and forth. The south side looks pretty unobserved. You'll have a tougher time, he told her. Your room is on the opposite corner from mine. Settle, she grimaced. I don't think it's that, he grinned. I think Weston is trying to set up buffer zones between certain members of the staff. Kit blinked. Is it just possible we aren't at the top of the chaperone list, she said in mock horror. He smiled and said nothing. So we've established base camp, she said. What now? He furrowed his brow slightly. I asked about Max at the desk, he said. He is still missing. They have taken his belongings out of his room and are holding them. I paid his outstanding hotel bill, half hoping they might release his things to me. But of course they didn't. It's too good a hotel for that. Kit nodded. Looks like we've got a burgling gig for tonight, she offered. Yes, he nodded. I can't imagine that will yield much. Not like Max to leave things laying around, and we can't be sure that someone else hasn't already searched his things. Perhaps they are not as clever as we are, she smiled. 
Let's hope not, he agreed. There is another possibility. She raised an eyebrow and waited. I wasn't particularly quiet in asking about Max, he said, and as you can imagine, our arrival was about as subtle as a truck. You're hoping we might get a nibble? she asked. As if in reply, there was a knock at the door. Fenwick looked toward the door of his suite and then back to his disguised partner. You had better... But of course she was already gone, hidden even from his eyes. He smiled. Come in, he called as the knocking came again. The door opened and Weston stepped in. I beg your pardon, sir, but there is a gentleman who wishes to speak to you, he said. I should not have allowed him, but apparently he is a mutual friend of Mr. Falcone, about whom you were asking downstairs. Excellent, Weston. Show him in, Fenwick said. A wiry man in an immaculate dark suit and a fez had been admitted and introduced, and Weston had been dismissed. "'Can I offer you a drink, Mr. Elnimir?' Fenwick asked casually. "'I should be most grateful, Mr. Fenwick,' Elnimir said with a nod. "'Please, have a seat,' Fenwick said with a gesture, and turned away to the small bar in the far corner of the room. But the man who called himself Elnimir did not sit down.' Instead, he strode forward silently toward the casually receding figure of his host, and from the folds of his coat a flash of steel could be seen as he produced a long, thin dagger. Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together. Together.